content that we are dealing with the, this topic, which is a hot potato, so to speak, especially in churches, you know, in such setup, talking about matters of giving, that why do we give? And the reason why it is a hot potato topic is because of the things that have happened within the churches. Number one, we many of you have come perhaps from background where you have been coerced, you have been urged, pleading, and every Sunday, the only topic that happens, it's about giving. You have done your best, you have, you know, you, 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 it's not even a church, it is sort of a, you know, ministry of agriculture, planting seeds every Sunday. And you wonder, am I in church, am I a congregant, or an extension officer in church. Sometimes you plant, you have planted, you have planted, and you wonder, is it GMO? Nothing is coming out. <laughs> you know, th there is no harvest. And so you have, you approach this topic of giving with a lot of suspicion. Some of you, again, you may have come from places of background where there is perpetual request for church projects. So much so that every pastor who stands before you, you know, they are only asking. I'm sorry that they have just reminded you about our project. Uh, but maybe since, you know, your youth, this has been the thing that every Sunday you are being urged uh, to do. So you wonder, am I in a project management class or am I actually in church? When will I ever be fed with the truths of God? And so out of that, especially the what were... The, the seeds people, the, the Kenya Seeds Company, our people, you, one of the things that has happened is that you know every verse about giving. Because that's what you have grown up with. And I know that even after this, you tell me the various verses in the Bible which tackle the place of giving, offering and all that, and the blessings that come with that. I pray that today you will be able to listen. We get a new understanding of actually how and why we give unto the Lord. Granted, some credible churches like ours, I'm saying ours is a credible church because at the end of the year, we sit down with you, the members of the church, and we tell you how we have utilized your money. And you ask, you give recommendations, we give you, this is the report, this is how you have given, and this is actually how your money has been, has been spent in the church. And so, we, we do that, even with, so that you, we can be transparent with what you are giving unto us. But for, for others, it is, uh, they, are, they approach this with suspicion because they have been swindled, they have been coerced, and they thought that they were building churches only to realize that they were building personal kingdoms. But this gives us, nevertheless, gives us a platform to be able to address why do we give and how do we actually give towards the Lord. But the topic of giving, as I've said, it's quite wide. And there are offerings and tithes, as many of you may know. And I will re refrain or restrain myself from, you know, speaking about all of them. Especially the place of tithe, because last year, but one, you remember our bishop took us through a three-month teaching about tithing. So I would encourage you that for you to delve deeper, if you are not here, please go back again to our YouTube channel, and you'll be able to see all the principles of, tithe, uh, of tithing. And I pray that, because I may not be able to address everything here, my prayer is what Christ said in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 13, that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
that because we may not have enough and sufficient time to tackle this, that indeed you'll be able to pray, God, reveal and teach me. Reveal to me, teach me these things about giving and what you require. So today I will, uh, I will, I will talk about just the, 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 the principle of giving, that is the place of the offering, the, uh, the fast fruits, and also the heart of giving. So how I'm, we approach it in the principle of giving, we are going to look into three stories, into three stories, and then the later, the heart of giving, we'll be able to check from the story of, of uh, I mean, the story that is found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 26. And the principle of giving, we are going to see three things. Number one, we are going to see that offering, giving to, the offerings that we give to God willingly, there are also offerings that we give towards God because we are grateful for the things that he has done. And then there is another offering where God actually asks, God demands, give me this and this so that I may continue building my kingdom. And after that, we will check about the concept of the first fruits. And then after that, we'll see the, 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 I mean the heart of giving from the book of Deuteronomy. We'll finish with that. So please brace yourself. We try to make sure that we are, um, we tackle all those things, and I pray that indeed it will be a blessing. So, to the principle of giving, in Bible reading, when you read the Bible, there is something called the principle of first mention. That if you are struggling with a topic, understanding a topic, look where it was first mentioned in the Bible. And most of these topics, most of these uh, doctrines, most of the concept that we have in our Christian faith, you will find them in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. So if you want to understand something, look where, where was it mentioned first? And then from there, you'll get foundational truths and principle, uh, principles about how to pursue or to read and to understand that particular topic. So for the, uh, the principle of giving, we'll first start in the book of Genesis chapter 4. So if you may go there. The book of Genesis chapter 4. is a story about uh, Cain and Abel, and we read from verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve. This is after they had sinned, and, they had, and God had disciplined them. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of God, or with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. And the reason I'm saying these are particular, these are people of interest is because these are the first bonds, the first human being to be born like us. Adam and Eve had been created by God. But Cain and Abel, they were the first people to be born. And so we can be able to learn a few things there because we can relate with them. Now Abel kept, uh, kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Let's stop there for a moment. From the onset, we see that man actually was created to worship God by giving some of the treasures, some of the things that belong to them, to worship the Lord. There is a deep longing to be connected with God. And the word actually offering there, that is there, uh, that Cain offered some, you know, uh, brought an offering, 
the word, the Hebrew word there actually, it's called minka. It's the word minka. And what it means, that this is an offering, and it has three meanings. Number one, that it is a gift that is given willingly. Secondly, that it is a tribute paid or given to a higher authority than you. Thirdly, that it is a sacrifice, giving up something of great value. And so the stories that we are going to see, we are going to read in that category. We are going to have those lessons about minka, this word minka offering, and we see it, whether it is, I mean, the place of the gift, a tribute, or even a sacrifice that is given towards God. And so these guys, these two sons here, verse 4 says, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn. And the Bible says there, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So the gift that uh, Abel brought to the Lord willingly, and we're told that it is in the course of time. We do not know when. Then people used to live for hundreds of years. Maybe they were 400 years old or 500 or 100. We do not know. But it's most likely that this has happened in the past. So when they come and bring the Lord, the two sons, let's see what um, Abel brought. The Bible says that Abel brought fat portions. And what it means here is that Abel brought the gift or a sacrifice of quality to the Lord. That he brought the best. He selected. Again, it says there that they were the firstborn. And the firstborns, these were the strongest of the animals. The best genes, uncontaminated. So he chooses among the firstborns, but also the ones which have, are very, very fat for the Lord. We see from there that Cain didn't like it. And God didn't accept the gift of Cain and the gift itself. That is the offer from the soil. But from here we see that the reason, I mean, the, the gift or the sacrifice that Abel brought, you know, the best he thought about it, he planned about it, he prioritized that this is what I am going to give to the Lord willingly. Because we are not told that he demanded or anything like that. And out of that, getting the best from his flock, getting the choicest, do you know what God did? The Bible says there that the Lord looked with favor. And if you're interested in reading some words, actually the word there in the original language means that the Lord gazed. The Lord stared at the gift. He loved it. He noted, yes, this is it. This is what I want. This is what I, 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 this is what I need. This man, his heart is at the right place. It's like God couldn't believe that someone from the human race, can be able to do this. And the Lord looked at that with favor. It is perhaps the same thing that we, you know, if you have been married, you know, you remember the next day after your wedding, like me, I know, I looked and stared at my wife. Gosh, this is mine now. After going through a horrendous time of planning the wedding and being frustrated with many things, the next day, you know, I look, I can't believe it. I think it's the same thing that Adam looked and stared at Eve. This is now bones of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken from me. Gazing and loving it. 
Do you know that God sometimes can gaze and love your gift? Do you give God a gift that he will be so happy about it? Not that God doesn't know things, but God will look at it and say, wow, I am happy, I am amazed, I am surprised, I am, you know, I've, I honor this man or woman because of the gift that he has given. Cain's heart wasn't like that. He was looking at other things. He was full of pride, and out of that, his face was downcast. The thing is this, friends, that even after that, even after Abel giving the, giving the best, you know, he was killed by his older brother. That the first worship service, you know, ended up 50% of the congregants dying, so to speak, if you get what I'm saying. 50% because of an offering. And since then, churches have struggled. People of God have struggled with this idea of giving. God calls us to worship him with, in truth and in spirit, like Abel did. I want you to, as you give to the Lord, always be evaluating the gift that you are giving. Is it of, your, of quality? Is it the best? Minka, the best, set apart and willingly offered to the Lord. Let me mention about just two people that, you know, they haven't given me permission to, to do this. I'm not even actually going to even tell you the names. But in this church, you know that you cannot lack water. One of the things that we have said is that you, may, you will not lack water. You may lack parking, parking space, but if you're thirsty, you will find water in this church. And I know that many of you have enjoyed, I see some of you with your water bottle, you know, getting out, you know, get, going home, and you getting water. But let me tell you the story behind that. There is a family within this congregation that has been giving us water since the first day that we came to this church. And every week, we don't buy water here in this church. You don't use your tithes and your offerings to buy water here. Someone has willingly given, and the best, purified water, and it is brought here. We don't even need to ask. They always, do you guys have water? And they send their employees here so that you, brothers and sisters, may be refreshed. For seven good years, we have never lacked that. Do you know how much, uh, how many liters you drink every Sunday? You take about 20 bottles. That is about 400 liters every Sunday. The first service they have done, they are 300. You guys, you have your 100. <laughs> but it is given by a family who have said, we are grateful to God and we offer this willingly. Do you like these flowers here? Do you see them? They are very beautiful. And every Sunday, there are always flowers here. Different colors, changing different styles. Very, very, very beautiful. But for seven years, since the first day that we landed here, a family came here and said, we are grateful to God for bringing this church here. And flowers have been their commitment. We are on our eighth year. Do the months. Every Sunday, there will be this. The funny thing is this, we don't see who brings them. You pastors, you... Pastors can agree here. They can't lie. Trust them. I mean, at least you can trust these ones, not me. But <laughs> we don't see. Brothers and sisters, we, do, we find them here. We find them here. And this family has, you know, over the course of time, they have changed their employees. But even when they get a new employee, they know that on Sundays, there is somewhere where we take the best flowers for God. And some of you guys come around and you pick these flowers, you go with them home, and you enjoy <laughs> Your children, even some will pass by here today, and they will pluck some petals there to enjoy. But it is given willingly and a beautiful, the best of the flowers, and you guys can bear witness, isn't it? So that has been given like that. Let's check the second story, and that is from the story of Noah. So 
Noah goes through a terrible or experience a terrible season of God's judgment through a flood in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 8. And when he checks out of the ark, you can read the story later, uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, sorry, verse 18. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the earth, even mosquitoes, sorry, it's not there, all that came out of the ark one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the unclean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I cast the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. The first thing that Noah does after God has saved him is to offer a burnt offering, an offering of gratitude, a sacrifice of gratitude to God for saving him. And his sacrifice, God admires that. And he is worshiping the Lord. He is risking it all. Because you ask yourselves, you know, there were two cockroaches, there were two, uh, there were two mosquitoes, there were two chameleons, there were two warthogs, and all that. Two, two. Where did he get these animals, the clean, the best, to sacrifice? Where did they come from? So Noah was actually risking the continuation of the animal kingdom. He was risking that if he does this, Sacrificing to the Lord, he was risking that some animals will go to ex uh, extinction. But nevertheless, that fear didn't bind him. He thought, I want to offer the Lord the best. And you may ask, where did they come from? Maybe some of them, gave, because they were there in the ark for long, maybe some of them gave birth in there. But instead of saving them and, you know, and building a sanctuary for the animals, he offers it to the Lord. And out of that, it, it, it rises up as a pleasing aroma. And God says, never again will I pass my judgment to my people in this way because of the sacrifice of Noah. Friends, some of you are here because of the sacrifice of Noah. After that, in chapter 9 of the same passage, then God blessed Noah. You see that? And his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. That this costly sacrifice pleased God. And he offered it, you know, we, you know, risking the future of the animal order or the animal kingdom to honor God. What was his reward? God said, you know, be fruitful and multiply. The same creation mandate that he had given to, uh, to Adam, he gives it to this guy. And his sons, it's Noah who offered this sacrifice. But do you see who benefits from it? It is even his sons. They were blessed because of the sacrifice of their father. Saying that, God, I wanted to offer this to you in gratitude. Some of you may be here and you're enjoying a wonderful time of maybe material blessings and all that. Could it be that someone along your lineage, along your life, offered something to the Lord, and the Lord was pleased with that. And you, you are here 
thinking that maybe it's your brain, it's your hard work that is favoring you, but someone did that. The thing is this, Noah offered something so little, but even to this day, we are enjoying the promise or the blessing of Noah because of his commitment. You can never be able to put them uh, together. It is not give and take. No, 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 no. God blessed him, and thousands of years later, we are seeing those blessings. Friends, never take casually the gift of, I mean, the sacrificial gift that you give towards God in honor of him and in blessing him and in praising him. And I normally see this sometimes with parents when we are doing baby dedication here. I'm always, and I tell you for, for sure, always parents will confront me along the corridor and tell me, you know, but this is my gift for my grandchildren. And some of you think that your children are so good, they are well behaved and all that because of you. It is because sometimes the offering that is even offered in secret about your children. I think God honors that and God blesses that. One time, together with my wife, we were confronted our uh, late parents and we, you know, we were telling them, you guys give a lot to the church, to the people and to the needy. You give so much. Even your pension, you give it out. Why can't you be selfish? And I remember my, you know, jo Joanne being told by mom, you know, we don't do this for us. We don't do this for us. We do this for our children. So the offering that we give is not for us. You're, good. You're not going to benefit from that. It is for you. And I kid you not, those years that I've been married to my wife, Joanne, I've seen those blessings. My children are very brilliant, by the way. You know, and I don't, we don't have those genes even in our, in our lineage. <laughs> you know. At this, at this moment, my wife, she's above average. She's not a genius. You know, if she was, she would not have married me. She would not have made such a choice to get married to me. But our children have seen that. And sometimes always I'm reminded, maybe this sacrifice that our parents were giving, it could be the one. Some of you here, you think that you're so brilliant. You think that, you, you know, that, that your children are very good. You take your children, it's the school. You know, take your children to this. Check closely. And maybe you might find there's someone who was faithful towards God. And you are enjoying those blessings. How much so if you yourselves, you say, for my generation, this is what I'm committing towards the Lord. And God will always, God will always honor that. And God will be pleased with such a gift towards God. Don't take it casually, brothers and sisters. That is the story of Noah. Let's quickly check the, another story, the story of Adam, I mean, Abraham. In the book of Genesis chapter 22, God has already uh, given Abraham a son called Isaac. And then one day, God asked for this blessing. So sometimes God will demand. And God is very specific. He says this in Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son. And you know he could have taken others. Or even at that moment he would have adopted very quickly. So God says, your only son. You know, and if he would have lied to God, I have, this is my only son. God says, Isaac. And if you can have maybe another Isaac in the house, whom you love. Very specific. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. A very hard decision. But Abraham takes the son and they go and he lays him there because God has demanded, I have faith that he's able to do even more. And out of obedience, Abraham lays his son 
on that altar. And when he reaches out the knife, an angel of the Lord say, no. And this is what God says in verse 12. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. By the time God, who is all-knowing, come in to say, now I know. It's like the, you know, the, the joy that God has. He knew how he's going to respond. But God is overjoyed that I did ask this. And Abraham has responded in obedience. And do you know what happens after that? The angel of the Lord in verse 15 says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, because God can never lie. There is no higher being above God. So God swears with himself. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All the nations of the earth. And sometimes you look at the, the, the technological sphere, landscape, you find people, Jewish people in there, controlling economies silently. Thousands of years later, that this promise of God is still being enjoyed by the people of God. The funny thing is this, God didn't take their sacrifice. He didn't take. Actually, the blessing that he gave to Abraham, you brothers and sisters in Mamlaka Hill Chapel Ruaka today, you are enjoying it. You are recipients of it. Nothing as beautiful as a sacrifice or an offering offered to God in obedience. It will outlive you. Thirdly, let me lead you, and I'm sorry that we are reading quite a number of these things, but I hope that you get the concept. In the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, Honor the Lord with, all, with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will bring over with new wine. With new wine. Honor the Lord with the first fruits. The word there is, the Hebrew word there is reshit. I don't know if it's what we get, the receipt, the word receipt, I don't know. But it's reshit. And it says the beginning, the first, the choicest parts, the best in ranking, consider me with that. That am I, if myself as God, am I the first one? Or is there someone else? This is the funny thing about God. God gives you, then trust that you're going to honor him. You know even the government cannot trust you. They first take, then they give you the... And then they ask you, tell us how much you have given us. You guys are doing that, right? Very unfair. You have taken, then I tell you how much I have given. God gives you, then trust that in obedience, you're going to honor him in that way. So that's a word there. Reshit. It's the same word that we use in the beginning when you read the first verse in the Bible. Genesis, in the beginning, God created something perfect, beautiful, elegant. That before sub, sub, uh, subdivision, that God comes first. That I honor God even before I do other things. That I honor God with the fast fruits. And this could not just be the salary. Sometimes you get windfalls. You get money that has come from nowhere. You are not anticipating it. 
you know, there are dividends that sometimes come, unexpected uh, income, there could be a windfall. That is your first fruits. And God says, honor me with that. And do you know what happens? That there will be unprecedented blessings about that. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Actually, the word overflowing there is the word that we like, breakthrough. You know, that's, a, that's actually the word. You know, that there will be breakthrough, something like that. Overflow to the brim, that there will be, to break through. That's what it says. Will you honor God with your reshit, honoring and obeying and pursuing God in that way? Finally, let's check the last story that is in Deuteronomy chapter 26. Let's go through that so that we may understand now. That is the principle of giving. God will ask us to give him. Sometimes he will demand but many times, God desires that we'll offer freely to him in honor and in worship of him. And sometimes there will be gifts of gratitude. Lord, you have been so gracious to me. And out of that, I want to honor and I want to, I want to offer this sacrifice to you. That's what, those are the principles. Let us now see the heart of giving. Deuteronomy 26 The Bible says, when you have entered the land that the Lord, your God, let me stop there. And like, I like what, how God sees things. He says, when? It's not a matter of if. Bahatisha here or there. When? And these guys were not yet in the promised land, but God promises them that when you get into this land. So you can trust God because of that. He sees the future. And his promises are not a matter of if. He doesn't forget. He doesn't lie. He says his promises and his blessings are a matter of when. When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling place for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land that the Lord sought to our forefathers to give us. Let's stop there for, for a moment. The, 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 we see again the word, our, our word there, uh, Rashid, in verse 2. Take some of the first fruits. Consider me first. That when I have given you this land, that the land will be entrusted to you as stewards. When God has met his part of the bargain. The only thing that we can do is to honor him in obedience, to worship him, and to remember his faithfulness. So the first act that they should do when they land there is actually to worship the Lord. That he will pro have provided the articles of worship before even they land, that God will have provided, the, God will have blessed this land, and it will yield something that actually can come to God. God here is no, knows that these guys, these children of Israel at this time, that they take matters of worship casually, just like at times we do. So God is trying to help them. I don't want you to take matters of worship, worshiping me and honoring me casually. That's why this word is there. So he says, I'll provide the things that will be needed there. Will you honor me? When God has provided for you, brothers and sisters, do you honor him? So verse 4 says, 
um, the priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. And there is a reason there why God will use those two words there, Jehovah and Elohim. God, which is translated from Elohim, showing his power, showing his might. And the Lord, God of the covenant, a relational God. The one that we relate with. And many of us here don't doubt the power of God. We doubt or we don't like relating with him. That's why we say that, no, I know there is a higher power. But you don't want to have a relationship with him. There is a reason why those are repeated together. Know that I am the mighty God, the powerful king, but also know that I am Emmanuel, God with us, relating with us. So for the friends who say that I am religious and not spiritual, uh, something like that, it is not a biblical thing. It's not a nice thing actually to say. God expects you to know his power, but also to know him personally. So he says there, verse 5 says, Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and this was Jacob. He went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians ill-treated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voices and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an out outstretched arm with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God is saying, recount the history. Confess. You know, and the priest is there to guide you just in case you forget something. No, no, no. You, you have jumped a verse there. Repeat it exactly as it is. That only after they have recounted what God has done, not just recounting with the lips, but also these words planted in their hearts, that then the priest receives the reshit, the first fruits. God, again, I've said here, to not, was helping them not to be casual with their giving, like Cain was, very casual. If it's about God, if you are giving a gift towards God, take a moment and recount the goodness of God. If you take a moment to recount, then your attitude towards your giving will change. Your attitude will change. So God says, recount it. Think about it. Plan about it. You know, sometimes we take these matters casually that, you know, it hits us. We, we know that if I'm going to church, I'm going to sing, I'm going to hear God's word, but it is a shock and a surprise time for giving. Have you ever seen that? You know, oh, it's time to give. And you don't understand why am I giving? And you sometimes think that you are giving a tip towards God. You know, Pastor Grace, let me, let me just give to appreciate, you know, the pastors. No, if you are giving towards God, let your attitude change. Know whom you are giving to. What is the story? Don't take casually the matters of giving to the Lord. It's not about the amount. It's about the quality of worship you give towards God at that time. So God says, recount the story. Remember where I have redeemed you from. Only then, when you have remembered, when you have recounted then verse 10 says, And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have 
given. When we recount our attitude changes, we become over, you know, we, we become joyful, we celebrate the goodness of the Lord, and we offer it willingly. If that shouldn't happen, God will not be pleased with that. You'd rather stay, we'd rather not give. Because it will not be received. He says even there, you know, my father was a wandering, Aramean. Actually, the word there, a wandering, is that he was a perishing Aramean. That is Jacob, when he had ran away from his brother. Recalling the humble beginnings. Where have we come from? The reason for this is so that you can be able to testify what God has done in the past, the victories that God has given you in the past. Remember it. Because Christians, we have a very short memory. I don't know if you guys know that. You know, we, God does something, and then we move on quickly to the other thing. Remember it. And now I bring the first fruit of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. That recounting what God has done yields into a moment of worship. Worship that is real, worship that is authentic, and out of that, God appreciates that because God is not concerned about your giving. God is not concerned about you thinking that you are tipping the church or tipping the pastors. God will take care of us, by the way. He will. He says that, you know, he never sleeps nor slumbers, watching over his church. You will sleep. I will sleep as well. Him is always awake, and he takes care of his church. And you see the church growing. He said that on this rock, I will build my church, and nothing, even the gates of hell, shall never prevail. So he's engaged actively. So he says that these blessings that he has given you, recounting, is so that your focus may change. You may remember where it has come from. So, then it says in verse 11, and you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. That now people collaborate together and they celebrate and they acknowledge this is our God. This is what God has done to our brother. This is what God has done to our sister. And together, the pastors, the, 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 you know, the, the, the rest of the people, and even visitors, like the way we are blessed today with visitors, they rejoice. So when God, you know, when we ask you, how are you doing? Don't say that, no, you know, we, when we celebrate that God has blessed you in one way or another. Don't say that, no, you know, no, 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 recount what God has done. And do you know what? Now we celebrate and even our faith and our trust in the Lord is increased. Your giving should result to a rejoicing. If you have ever given to God and your face is downcast, be careful. You're like our friend Cain. You are giving, whatever you give to the Lord, if, you, if it's the best, you have selected it, you have thought about it, should lead you to rejoice. As we have seen here, that the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice when they hear what God has done. When you have finished, verse 12, setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the Lord, of, of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. And that's the work of the church. And many times when you give to us, when you give towards the Lord, even in this church, we are portion, we know who needs it. There are people in mourning. There are people in, uh, who are grieving. There are people who actually are in need of food. And out of that, money is set apart so that even those in our congregation who are needy in one way or another 
they will be ministered to. And do you know what it says there? That they will be satisfied. The word they actually means has another meaning, that they will be enriched. That even the time that they are mourning, grieving, or they are in need, that their lives will be enriched. And then the pastors join you there saying that, God, you are doing something in our congregation. Verse 13. Then says, say to the Lord, your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor, nor have I forgotten any of them. You know, God knows that you, might, you will pretend like you have. Have you ever done so? You pretend, you know, yeah, I'm forgetting. God says, you know, say that you have not forgotten. Say that you haven't. And he says that these are sacred portions because God doesn't want, you know, even when we are mourning, God doesn't want us to be disoriented by grief. Because when grief comes, we feel devastated, we feel hopeless. But even in our giving during time of mourning, as it says there, is to remind us that there is a God in heaven who always makes his promises to come true. So even if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, then I will still praise you, I still honor you, for you are with me even at that moment. Verse 15. Well, I didn't finish verse 14. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion. I think I love that word there, eaten. <laughs> not even sharing with others, eating. You know, any of the sacred portions, while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it, while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Verse 15. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to our forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. The thing is this, that this giver now requests God to look down and notice the obedience that he has. And out of that, that God now responds, he trusts that God, this is how you're going to respond, that you will continue blessing us. You continue blessing your church, not even the, you individually, that, you know, he doesn't say, now bless me. He says, now bless your people. That he will be satisfied when other people are being blessed by the Lord. And the other people will be satisfied and enriched when they see the blessings that come to him. The thing is this, that God, you have blessed us with the produce of the ground. We have divided out the holy portion and we have handed the holy portion according to your instructions you have provided. Now we ask you to bless the ground where it has come from. Bless the work of our hands. Whatever I do now, may you bless it. So that the next time, I will repeat the same thing. Not so that now I can have full, so that the next time I can repeat, I can repeat, I can repeat that. Friends, giving will find a place when you trust in the Lord, that he's the giver and he's the one who sustains. He's the one who encourages you. He's the one who grants you his favor. That's how we'll be able to appreciate giving towards the Lord. So how does this look like, friends? In your giving, prioritize God. The whole idea behind the first fruit is to put God first. The whole idea about tithing is to put God first. That you'll be doing this because you honor and you love God. Now, if that is the condition, you know, as you prioritize, then prepare to give. 
prepare that God, I am a steward of your blessings. And this is what I want to do. Some of you, you know, it becomes like an emergency. You know, you're looking, what, what do I have? You know, and all that. Prepare even beforehand. I know some of you, even during the week, you give even during the week. You have done uh, standing orders in banks. Prioritizing that. Help your children in those bandas in the Sunday school classes. Even during the week, that this is what we are going to give to the Lord. For God has been good to us. Prioritize that. And prepare to even to give. Not on Sunday, even beforehand. God says, put some in your basket. And the church or the temple is so far away. Even God didn't tell them where it will be. I will show you. And to some it were miles and miles. But prepare that this one is going to the house of the Lord. Then pray that you be obedient towards the Lord. Go to him in prayer. Ask him to guide you as you prepare to give. And do you know what? God is no man's debtor. God is no man's debtor. He says, if you obey me, this is what David said when he said that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give to the Lord a sacrifice that costs me nothing. We love free things as Kenyans, as you know. We love free things. But David says, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Later, David says these words, that I have been young, and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, all their children begging for bread. May we live to honor him and to obey him with that which he has blessed us with. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you.